Take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. On Friday, I had to do a funeral in Newberry. Man, the been a member of the church there for a long time. He was 79 years old. He had three grown children. All of them were married. Only the youngest one had any children. He was, the man that died was 79. He had his first grandchild when he was 78. Now, at the receiving the other night, they had pictures of the man and his family, of course. One stood out to me. He was sitting on the sofa. He had on a white shirt and a green tie. The little one-year-old grandson was sitting on the sofa. He had on a white shirt and a green tie. And they were looking at each other and had just the biggest open-mouthed smiles you've ever seen. Sometimes in our relationships, we just delight in one another. And you could tell those two delighted in each other. But I don't have to use an illustration to tell you that sometimes in our relationships, it's anything but delightful. It can be a very difficult struggle. I'm going to look for several weeks at Philippians. One of the things about Philippians is it's called the, the book of joy. And you can just see the delight that Paul had for that church at Philippi and that church had for him. But he is also going to be talking in this book about relationships and how to maintain them in the best possible way. Let me give you a little background before I read the scripture. Philippi was a, a city in the Roman Empire. It was considered a Roman colony, which meant that it had uh, a, what we would call a military base there. And just like Fort Jackson is, a, you know, brings a lot of uh, income and prestige into Columbia, so you know that military base did to Philippi. It was an important city. Paul had gone to that city on one of his missionary journeys, and while he was there. He had spoken to some people who were God-fearers and some, and some Jews, and, and some of them had become believers. One of them was a woman who was a, a merchant whose name was Lydia. She and several others became the, kind of the core for that church. And it got started probably around A.D. 50, within about 20 years after Jesus died and rose again. And then, you know, the, the church began to grow. And the church was just so grateful to Paul. And they partnered with him. They sent gifts to him. They prayed for him. You know, and he took delight in that church. He, I guess if you look at all of the churches he wrote letters to, this was probably his favorite. You know, just, just because there seemed to be such a close connection with them. And that's why you keep finding that note of joy in the book of Philippians. But there was also some trouble in that church. There was a definite split between two of the members. There was, you know, some other things that were going on that could cause trouble. And so to head it off, he also included some things about that as well. So as, as we look at this book, we'll be seeing things that delight us, but we'll also be seeing some things that instruct us and instruct us as a church about how to get along together and do the Lord's work together. So let's begin to look at this. Philippians chapter 1, we'll begin with verse 3. Paul said, I thank my God every time I remember you, and all my prayers for all of you 
I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, in this passage of Scripture, I think we see Paul saying three things to the church. He said, first of all, I have you in my mind. And then he said, I have you in my heart. And then he said, I have you in my prayers. So we're going to look at each of these. Paul said, I have you in my mind. There in verse 3, he said, I thank my God every time I remember you. He remembered them. He hid them in his mind. And when he thought about them, he said, I thank God. There was such a good relationship between him and that church. Whenever he thought about that church, he was just grateful to God. They had encouraged him. They had stood by him. They had supported him. You know, he was just grateful for him. Isn't it a delight when there, there are just some people in your life that when, when you think of them, you're grateful for them. They've just been such a blessing to you. They're such a help to you. Unfortunately, sometimes we don't always think Think of certain people with gratitude. Sometimes when we think of them, we think with heartache. Sometimes when we think of them, we may think with tears. But sometimes there are people that we can be thankful for. And we're just grateful to God that he put them in our lives. Paul also said, I am grateful because of your partnership in the gospel. You see, this church had been one of the strongest supporters of Paul's ministry. Paul's ministry was to defend and confirm the gospel. He wanted to see the gospel spread. He wanted to see many, many people come to know the Lord Jesus. He wanted to be, see churches established that would bring other people to Christ. That was his job. That was his calling. And the Philippian church had partnered with him in that. They wanted to see people one too. They wanted to see churches grow. They wanted to, to see those good things take place. And so they were partners with him. Do you know what? We're in business together. You and I and you with each other, you're partners in business. You're partners in the business of this church. We are, if we might put it that way, a franchise of the kingdom of God. And we are to be working together to carry out our business. What is our business? The very same thing it was for Paul in the Philippian church. It's to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's to spread the gospel. It's to make strong churches here, maybe make strong churches somewhere else. It's our job to do evangelism and missions. We are partners in that task. Have you ever watched businesses? 
how sometimes they get started. They've got a, got a good idea, they've got a good product, and they grow, and they grow, and they grow, and they grow, and then all of a sudden, they kind of quit growing, and they kind of level off, and maybe they begin to decline. And what happens a lot of times? They get so encumbered, they've grown so much, they've got so much mechanism, so much organization, so much bureaucracy, that they become inefficient. That can happen to churches. To some extent, that's happened to this church. Sometimes we stay so busy running the church that we aren't doing the work of the kingdom. And we're supposed to be a franchise of the kingdom and spreading it. Subgroup, the organizational subgroup of the transitional focus team is looking at our organization. And you know, I've, I've, I've gathered something over the you know, past few months. They're not going to finish anytime soon. You know, it just, you know it's, it's, it's a big thing when you go to looking at your organization and trying to figure out how can we be more efficient. So this is going to transfer all into the time when you call a permanent pastor. And if he's mindful of leading you in that direction, that will probably go on for many months. But let me ask you to do something. To do it for the sake of the kingdom. Don't book that. Don't try to guard your turf. Look and see how we can be as efficient as God wants us to be to carry out His work. Because that's what we're to be about. We are partners in the gospel. Partners in sharing the good news. So we, we share as partners in the gospel. And then Paul talked about the good work. He who began a good work in you, it says in verse 6. Now, who is the he? It's God. God had begun a good work in them. And Paul says, he'll carry it on to completion. Now, God had done something for them. He had made sure that the good news was brought to them and they responded to it and they became believers. He had brought them to the place of salvation. He began the work of redemption in them. And then he was still working in them. He was working in them to help them grow in the faith, to mature as believers. He was working in them. And then he was working through them. For you see, the work that we do for God is not done in our own strength. It's done in his strength working through us. And, and Paul was just encouraging them. And he was saying, I, I keep you in my mind because I know God's led you to salvation and I know God's helping you to grow and I know God's helping you to serve and to minister and he's going to keep doing that for you. So he could rejoice because God was working in them. And he's working among us and in us and through us. And we can rejoice in that. Paul said, I have you in my mind. But there in verse 7 he said something else. He said, I have you in my heart. And notice he said, I have all of you in my heart. I have all of you in my heart. Now, some of the translations don't say all of you. Some of the translations say you all. And personally, I think that's the right translation since I think Paul was a Southern Baptist. <laughs> but I guess we'll have to stick with this translation which says all of you. But do you, do you get it? 
Paul was concerned for all of them, each individual in that church. We are to be concerned for one another. Each one of us is to be concerned with every other one of us. All of you. One of the great things about exchanging prayer cards is that we learn some things about one another. We learn what's on each other's heart. We get to pray for one another about something specific. It helps. The greeting time helps. The sharing when there's difficulty helps. The rejoicing together when something good happens helps. The fellowships help. The Bible study helps. The ministering together helps. It helps us to learn one another so that we can have each other in our hearts. It's not enough just to have each other in our heads. We can have each other in our hearts. And he goes on and he says something else. He says, we share in God's grace. Paul never got over God's grace. He was a blasphemer. He blasphemed the Lord Jesus. He was a persecutor of the church. He even arrested Christians. He was a mean old guy. And God came to him, and Jesus spoke to him, and he was changed. He was saved. He came to really be a follower of the Lord Jesus, and it always amazed him that God came to a guy like he was and saved him and gave him the privilege of being his servant. Guess what? Each and every one of us should be amazed at God's grace. Why? Because we're all sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have let God down. All of us have broken His commandments. All of us have not done what He wants us to do. We're all sinners. We come to church and we sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. Do you get it? We're all wretches. We're all wretches. We've all sinned. And but for the grace of God, where would we be? Sharing God's grace. The very same grace that God has shown to you you were to share with each other. What does that mean? It means you're going to forgive each other. It means you're going to be concerned about each other. It means you're going to be willing to work together. You share in the grace of God. God has treated us with amazing grace. In every relationship at our church, we ought to treat each other with amazing grace. Amazing grace. Then Paul said, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. That, that longing is, is kind of like the longing of homesickness. You know, you ever been away from home and you just wanted to get back home? You just missed the people at home? That's what he's talking about. It was just a longing to be with them, care for them, be in their presence. That's what should be between us. We come to church and we worship together. Don't you just long to get back to the place sometimes when I could be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I could be with my fellow church members. 
we could share together, we could talk together, we could have a good time together. We, 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 could, we could just be family. We long for each other. And that's how it always ought to be in the church. We ought to be so together. We ought to be so in tune with one another. We should be so focused on the work that God has given us to do. We should be so glad for the fellowship and the support we give one another that we just look forward to being with each other. Paul said, I have you in my heart. We ought to have each other in our heart. And then Paul said, I have you in my prayers. Then in verse 9. And he gave there, in these next couple of verses, what we can pray for one another. What he prayed for them, we can pray for each other. So what did he say? He said, let your love abound more and more. Now, the love he was talking about was the kind of love where you are so concerned about the good of the other person that you're going to work for their good no matter what the cost or the consequences. It's the kind of love that's the opposite of selfishness, of looking for somebody else to do for you. It's, it's your willingness to do for someone else. And, and that's the kind of love that it takes to build a, a, a true marriage. That's the kind of love we need in our homes. And that's definitely the kind of love we need in our churches so that we are concerned about the other person and about their needs and about what we can do to help whatever their difficulty may be, and may abound more and more, keeps on being there and keeps on growing. And then he says, so that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Knowledge and depth of insight. Love helps us to grow in our understanding of somebody else. Our love for God ought to be growing, and we ought to be learning more about Him and having more insight into Him. And that starts when we realize that God loves us. When we haven't just heard about God's love, but we experience God's love. We experience His convicting us of sin. We experience Him drawing us to Himself. We experience His forgiveness. We experience His grace. We experience His mercy. We experience His, his help as we go through some of the struggles we go through in life. We experience Him, and so we get that knowledge growing and becoming deeper and deeper. And when we love someone else, then we begin to gain knowledge and insight about them. When we put ourselves out for someone else, when we pay something for someone else, when we take a consequence for someone else, then we know more about them. Because as our love grows, so does our understanding. So we begin to see them through different eyes. You know, we can see people through different eyes. You ever thought about that? Sometimes we look at people, we see them through the eyes of envy. Oh, they've got this and that, they've got that. And we're looking at them through the eyes of envy. Sometimes we look at them and we, we see them through the eyes of jealousy. 
Sometimes we look at people and we see them through the eyes of hate or aggravation. And when we do that, we aren't really seeing the other person, are we? But we look at them through the eyes of love, we can begin to understand them. We can begin to perceive more about them. We can begin to understand what makes them tick. Remember the scripture passage that Lindsay read earlier in the service? What did Jesus say? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do good for those who are seeking to do you harm. Pretty high standard, isn't it? Do that even for your enemies. Well, if Jesus commanded us to do that for our enemies, don't you think he wants us to do that for one another? To start looking at one another through the eyes of love, understanding, concern, perception. Looking through the eyes of love, knowledge, and depth of insight. Pray something else. Pray for to discern what is best. Now, you know, we have to make a lot of decisions in life. We have a lot of choices to make. We have judgments to make. We need discernment, don't we? We have to discern what's good and what's bad. We have to discern what's good and what's best. We have to discern what's urgent and what's really important. And it gets hard. I, one of the things that I pray for most is, Lord, give me discernment. You know, in my relationship with you, in my ministry, in my relationship with my family, in the personal decisions I have to make, Lord, give me discernment. Help me to know what's right, what's best. We need to pray for discernment. How to deal with each other in the church. You know, we struggle in the church. You know, okay, what's good and what's best? Well, what's urgent and what's really important? We, we struggle with those things. And we have to ask God to give us discernment so that we will know. We need to seek His guidance. We need to let Him lead us. We pray for that discernment. I'll tell you a couple of things that helps. One, when you're having to make that decision, make that choice, make that discernment, one of the things, all right, if I do this, will it honor Christ or will it dishonor Christ? And the other thing to look at is will it build somebody up or will it tear somebody down? Helps when we're trying to discern. So we pray for discernment. And then we're to pray that we'll be pure and blameless. Pure and blameless. At one time in Philippi, there were gold mines. And when gold is dug out of the ground, and you know, then it has to be refined, and then it, it has to be put in a, melt, a big pot and melt it down and they leave it hot and leave it hot until all the impurities are driven off of it so that you, you end up with this gold that doesn't have any impurities in it. So Paul is saying you got to get rid of the impurities in your life. You got to get rid of the dross in your life. As believers we are to be pure and blameless. You know, and sometimes we aren't. Galatians chapter 5, Paul mentions some impurities. He said sexual immorality, idolatry, hatred, 
discord, jealousy, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, impurities. Sometimes we think about sexual immorality or drunkenness and we forget about discord and envy and factions and dissensions and seem to think that's all right. And they're all impurities. We are to be pure and blameless. This world needs to see believers who are pure and blameless. That Christ has made a difference in our lives and we don't live like the rest in immoralities or in factions or in dissensions or in drunkenness. We're to be different. We're to be different until the day of Christ. Christ is going to return. We have salvation when we accept Jesus as our Savior. But we're still going to have to answer to Him for our behavior. And then he says, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. You see, we get from Jesus what we call an imputed righteousness. In the eyes of God, Jesus' righteousness covers us when we accept Jesus as Savior. God looks at us and sees the righteousness of Christ. It's imputed. It's given to us. It covers us. But at the same time, He's helping us grow in the righteousness of life where we begin more and more to live lives that are pleasing in His sight, more and more pushing aside the dross, more and more incorporating the things that really matter and that bring glory to God. And it's the fruit of righteousness that comes with Christ working within us. You know what Jesus said in uh, John chapter 15? He said, Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So we stay in Jesus. We stay close to him. We read his word. We pray. We seek to follow him. We seek to obey him. We seek to serve him. We seek to share him. We, we remain in Jesus. And he produces that righteousness through us that brings the glory and the praise to God. Now, what is a church to be? It's to be a place where members share in the partnership of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, and He rose again so that we have the hope of eternal life. It's to be a place of joy where we long for each other, love each other, care for each other, just take joy in one another. Delight in one another. It's a place where members keep each other in mind, keep each other in our hearts, keep each other in our prayers. That's what a church, according to what Paul was sharing the Philippians, is supposed to be. Now take your prayer card back out. I want you to do something for me. I want you to turn on the back of it I want you to write something. I want you to write Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. 
on the front side of this card, the person you got it from, put a specific prayer request. Pray that prayer request for that person. That's what we're supposed to do with these cards. But also, pray these things. That the person whose prayer card you have may abound more and more in love, gain knowledge and depth of insight, be given discernment, that they will be pure and blameless, and that they will be filled with the fruit of righteousness. I'm kind of excited to see what takes place when we start praying that for each other. You know, I have a feeling it's, it's going to make some difference in our being able to keep each other in mind, keep each other in heart. Now, write something else on that card. Pray to God and say to Him, make our church a place of joy and love for one another. Make our church a place of joy and love for one another. This ought to be, we ought to come here and just be excited. We can be together and to be in the presence of God and can worship Him together. We ought to grow, continually grow in our love for one another. Write something else. Protect us from Satan's schemes that divide us. Satan does not want us to get along. Because, you see, if we don't get along, then we're no different from the world. And when someone is being led toward Christ, Satan can come along and say, well, look at that church. You see what's going on in there? They ain't no different from you. You don't need Jesus. Satan hates it when we get along. And so that's why he's always trying to stir one of us up against another one of us or one group of us against another group of us. And he's continually working at that. Pray that God will block him so he won't be able to stir up dissension in our midst. Protect us from skating schemes. Boy, he comes up with them by the dozen. Pray that we will work through our church to help us connect others with Jesus. We connect with Jesus, and then we connect with others so that as believers, we're connected together to help connect still others to Jesus. That's our business. That's what our franchise is about. That's what we're supposed to be doing, working together as believers to lead others to be believers. Jesus works among us. We're his church. Maybe today you would rededicate yourself to following Jesus through this church. Maybe there's something you need to ask forgiveness for. Maybe there's something you need to recommit to doing to promote the harmonious working together of our fellowship. Maybe you need to say, God, you know what's going on between me and so-and-so. Help us get back together. Put aside that difference. Maybe today, you want to come and say, I want to join this church. I, I felt accepted here. I felt the love that's here, and there he is. I felt the warmth that's here. It's here. It's good. Maybe you want to become a part and move your membership here. Maybe God has worked in your life, and you've been brought to the place where you have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. And today, you want to come and say, I want to join the church and be baptized. And show that, yes, 
I belong to Jesus now, and I'm going to follow him, and I'm going to serve him. God speaks to us. God calls us. God works in our midst. Discern what he's doing for the church and in your personal life and respond to it. Our imitation hymn is 428.